0: Take a boy born and raised in New Jersey on Springsteen, and a Southern California beach bum raised in the 60s, and what do you get? Do what you like with Tom Cavanaugh and Bob Telford. episode of Do What You Like. And as always, I am joined by my illustrious partner and uh, co-conspirator in this whole thing, Mr. Tom Kavanaugh, who's in New Jersey. I'm in uh, California here. Uh, I'm Bobby T. Tom, how are you today, sir?
1: We're great. We're here on the East Coast. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day in the 30s, but it's still bright and sunny, which is rare these days. How are you?
0: Hey, listen, it's still... I'm in paradise, baby. What more do you want? Okay. <laughs> I'm in paradise. Anyway, and I'm very excited today because the the guest that we, we have on is somebody that I've known for a long time. And it's amazing the stuff that she's done. So I can't wait to get into this and, and let her share her story with our audience. So here we go. Our guest today grew up in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Love Marblehead. She graduated BFA from Emerson College in Boston with a short stint at the University of Madrid. Through years of continuous practice, study, and learning, she brings unmatched expertise to serve her clients her passion to create workplaces that support team members, the executive suite and the goals of the business is evident, and she communicates her hard-earned knowledge to each of her clients with a keen sense of humor and an engaging delivery, just kind of like me. Through a lifetime of entrepreneurial ventures, a successful modeling career, years of retail experience and a television career, she has been exposed to nearly every type of enterprise. This unique set of experiences has honed her ability to work successfully with almost any type of business. She loves hot yoga and believes that a good day contains chocolate. Please welcome to Do What You Like, Carolyn Strauss. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you for joining us. Thank
1: you.
2: Thanks, you you guys. It is so fun to be here. Okay, so Do What You Like, this is what I like. Oh, excellent! hanging hanging out with people that are fun and interesting and smart because the funnier the people I hang out with, the funnier it makes me. It's like playing tennis. I want to play tennis with people who are better tennis players than I am because they make me better. You guys make me better.
0: Okay, great. Thanks. That's our show. Okay. Um, So let's get this party started here. So you went to Emerson, which is a college that offers more than three dozen degrees, professional training programs specializing in the field of arts and communications. Um, Did you start because I know you did modeling. Did you start in the modeling field right out of college?
2: While I was in college, actually, Ah. my best friend while I was at Emerson. So I started at UMass went to the the University of Madrid and then finished up at Emerson, but when I moved back to Boston, so it was oh god i 'm going to date myself. It was nineteen eighty something and um and the the world of plus size modeling was just starting, and one of my best friends said you should you're cute, you should be a model and I said to him, but i 'm chubby, and he said that's perfect so I went to a modeling agency in Boston and I believe so much of like is, I mean, so much of life is um, being in the right place at the right time. Exactly. And I happened to walk into a modeling agency literally on a day that they had gotten a call for a plus size model for a photo shoot in the end of spring in, cause in the end of spring, you're, you're shooting winter clothes. So I'm wearing this polyester thick, Hot sweater in Boston Common, and they're sprinkling white cornflakes on me. It's supposed to look like it's snowing, and I'm dripping sweat, and that was my first modeling job in Boston wow. when I was like in my early in my late teens,
0: right now, just for our audiences uh that may not know plus size modeling is if you could elaborate on that and explain it,
2: okay. If you want to know what it is now, it's anybody over a size 10, which I think is just obscene. I was a size 16, 18 at the time. And so I was a perfect, actually, with then I moved to New York after finishing college. Like the day I graduated from Emerson, I moved to New York City, lived on a couch, by the way, for two years. I lived on a couch and I ate ramen noodles and I waited tables and I did everything I could to make enough money to not borrow money from my parents because that was just who I was. So, um, yeah, so, but I was a perfect size 18 at the time and that was a perfect fit model size. So again, walk into a modeling agency that was called big beauties, little women at the time. (laughs) It was, it was for petite and plus 39. size, right. plus size models, right? Specialty models. And which is why then I wrote the book specialty modeling went before I was 25 years old, but anyway, walked in. And again, they had a call from Macy's that they needed a plus size fit model that day. And the one that they had was sick and they sent me there. So I got a modeling agency in New York the day I walked in, I mean, weird, right? The universe was going, okay, babe, here's here. Here you go. Go do right. what you want to do.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. And then um, the the plus size modeling being the fit model means that you have to be of a certain uh, body size, shape and all that, because that's what they design clothing four is the body.
2: So I had to stay the same measurements. How many women do you know, stayed the same measurements for 18 years? I literally had four. I know exactly what my measurements were 43, 35, 46. And those were my measurements for 18 years. And I wow. had to stay that. So if I gained like two pounds, I could be out of work. And one time, and Bob, you may remember this because you and I were together. I decided I was going to, to not together in that way. Um, we were friends. And <laughs> I came to an event of yours, if you remember, on the Cape. And I had dropped about mm. 25 pounds. Do you remember? That was, that was the skinniest I ever was in wow. my adult life at that party. And I lost all of my clients in one week. Because all of a sudden I went from being a size 18 and I dropped 25 pounds and lost every client, went back to New York, realized I wasn't working and went, okay, time to add more chocolate back in. I did. And I went right back to those same measurements again. And my body stayed exactly there for 18 years. I work out every day. I still work out every day. And I did that to maintain the body that I had to have in order to not mess up my clients.
0: But the nice thing about this is that You were not a size one or whatever it is. (laughs) And I think a lot of times the whole and and this is especially true with young women, that this whole idea of body image and body shaming and all that kind of stuff. The one thing that I have that I have enjoyed in your career is that every step of the way, you have always said, this is who I am like it.
2: This is not what I used to say is my body is not a democracy. It's a dictatorship. I own it and you don't get to vote. So hire me. Don't hire me. I don't care. You do not get to vote on the size or shape of my body. If you if you want to date me and this is good for you, great. If you don't, bye-bye. There are, you know, 8 billion other people on the planet who might. Good
0: Right. Now, based on that, uh, the, the modeling career, did your was your design that eventually that would lead to acting work? What was your what was your goal once you started doing the the the, the modeling? Uh, did you have a, a design on where you would go next?
2: So I I did a bunch of auditions. So when I moved to New York City, I wanted to be an actor. You know that, Bob, I've always wanted right. to be an actor. I mean, right. I've been paying my Screen Actors Guild dues for the past 30 something years. And I do do
1: the same thing because it's a badge of
2: honor. Exactly. So, I mean, and actually I, so Bob, for the first time about three years ago, I got cast in a commercial for a drug product that was actually shot at, um, at the Broncos stadium in Denver. It was with John Elway, you know what I mean? He was the spokesperson and I got to be one of the leads. Every year in January, I get a check for like a couple thousand dollars and I'm not even in the commercial anymore because they did a one minute and a 30 second version and the one minute version runs online occasionally and I'm in that one, but the one that's on TV, I'm not in. But hey, I'll sit back and collect my check because it was a sad gig. So that was so funny. So finally, you know, I'm starting to recoup some of those dues after all those years. But back to the story, I moved to New York City. I was modeling and I did a ton of auditions because I wanted to be on Broadway. You know, as a musical theater major at Emerson, I thought I'd go and, you know, I would be um, you know, Edina Menzel or something. I'm not. And um, but I went and I did a bunch of auditions. I finally my, do you want to hear the the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I don't know that I ever told you this story, Bob.
0: Let's hear it. it if you're willing aud- to share it with our audience, let's I, hear it.
2: I am. So it was an audition for the for the musical nine. Do you remember when Tommy Toon was sure. was directing nine Nine. and I went and I'm standing outside of one of those theaters. It's the dead of winter. The line went downstairs and out onto like 46th street and all the way down the street. And I got there at six in the morning and I've got my little headshot and my little resume in my hand. Right. And I'm, and I'm, I'm standing there freezing to death at noon. I'm finally towards the door at noon. They say, okay, we're going to take a one hour lunch break. Really? Uh. They, they take the lunch break at like two o'clock. I've been sitting there since six in the morning. I have to pee. I'm tired. I'm cranky. I'm cold. I finally get up into the room and I walk in and they look at me and they say, okay, thank you. I say, excuse me. They're like, they're like, well, thank you. We don't need your type. I said, I've been here for nine hours. You're not going to let me sing. They're like, no, 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 we're good. I'm like, you know what? I'm not. Bye-bye. I said something a little nastier than that, you know. Wow. Go eat fudge yourself, I think I said something like that. <laughs> and um and I left and I never stood in line for another audition again. That was the that was the straw that broke oh, the model's for you. back.
0: So but but the thing that's interesting is is that you had incidents like this in your life and yet you have still been able to create a phenomenal career. So let's talk about the next step that you took from the fit modeling, because obviously that had that treated you very well for a long time. Because I remember when I went to visit, uh, you know, when we came out there and visited, and stayed. I think we stayed with you at your place, mm-hmm. or I don't I know think where one we night, stayed. I
2: think one night you did. I think the rest of the time yeah. you were up with Joan. But
0: yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, um, you were always busy, and and then there came a point, and I'm curious to find out what sparked in you the idea to go and start your own clothing line so if you could tell us about that because i think it's an amazing story and i do know that it was extremely successful Successful for you. So we want to hear all about that. Thanks.
2: So so I wrote a book on the modeling business. I in When I was 24, 25, I wrote a book called Specialty, mod, specialty Modeling. I partnered with a woman named Tori Hartman, and she and I worked together and we wrote this book. Then I started commentating fashion shows for department stores, which is really how I got into this professional speaking end of the world, right? So I was doing fashion shows and realized that it wasn't the clothing that I was excited about. It was getting women to see themselves differently that turned me on. So the first 10 minutes of the show where I could get women to reframe what clothing could do for them. And then I sold a bunch of clothes. And then um, I did an exercise video. So I got certified as an aerobics instructor and personal trainer. I got ACE and wow. certified because I realized that there were no good exercise video. Like I was never going to look like Jane Fonda and Richard Simmons pisses me off. And that's a whole nother story that we can talk about because I worked with him some, I worked with him for two weekends. And I, I do recall you,
0: I, I do recall you telling a story and I will not elaborate on that. Yeah
2: yeah, so. yeah. 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 So he, yeah. So there were no good exercise videos for plus size women. So I got certified and I did my own exercise video and then one of my modeling clients he I had designed the leotards that I wore on the video with the girls and then I he said look we have this video why don't we do a line of exercise wear for the home shopping network and I said why don't we do that so he and I went down and set up a meeting in Clearwater, Florida at the home of the Home Shopping Network. And we had mm-hmm. a meeting with the buyers and they, they looked at us and they said, well, we don't do exercise clothes. We don't sell videos. And no. And we started to leave. And again, right place, right time, being really lucky. They said, but wait a minute, we love you as a spokesperson and a designer. They said to me and they said to my partner, we love you as a manufacturer. Why don't you guys do a line of sportswear? And we uh-huh. said, okay, we'll try it. So we went back, we designed it. We launched our first line of sportswear in um, spring of two of 1998. We will, 1997 spring of 1997. We went on the air and it was a disaster. It was a disaster. I went on air, and if you don't sell like $2,000 a minute, you're in trouble on home shopping. So I'm on air. I'll never forget. I'm doing the, I'm in the middle of my first show, and I'm so excited. And in my ear, I hear at at about a half hour into an hour show, I hear Carolyn clear the set. And I say, What? I don't understand. And they're like, Carolyn, clear the set. And I said, I don't understand. They're like, Carolyn, get out. And I went, (laughs) Okay. So I stood up, I walked out, the buyers come in and they're like, sorry, this stuff isn't selling. This isn't working. And of course I then get hysterical and I start crying because, you know, I'd put a year of my life into this and I designed it and I'm thinking what's happening here. And I'm crying and crying. And they're like, but by the way, you have another show in an hour on our secondary network. And I'm like, I'm not doing this again. They're like, yeah, you are. And we got to one item in the secondary show. Meanwhile, I, you know, I cried off all my makeup. I, you know, I had to have my makeup artist come in and reapply everything. Do the second show. Meanwhile, I've got all the wind knocked out of me, but we get to one pair of pants, which is that pull on slinky stuff. And that stuff sold. And they, instead of firing us, they said, you know what, go retool, do an entire line using this kind of fabric We'll give you another shot, which, by the way, I do not think would happen now. It happened right. in the late 90s. I don't think that you'd get another shot in 2022, but we got another shot. And we right. went on at the end of 1997, and we blew the stuff out. And it was a huge success. And then for 18 years, I had the third largest clothing company on the Home Shopping Network.
0: Wow. And what? And if I'm not mistaken, the clothing line catered to all women
2: all women yes we had extra small through 3x now here's the interesting thing about that think about it if you've got four colors and you've got seven sizes and so we had like we had like 96 skus for one item. Talk wow. about a logistical nightmare. That's what I tell. So, people always call me who want to go into the clothing business now. They're like, Carolyn, how do I go into the clothing business? I'm like, understand what you're taking on because you had to ship each SKU in its own box. If we had mm-hmm. one 3X in red, it had to be shipped in its own container. Do you know what a nightmare that is? Wow. I mean, it's, it was a crazy business. So thank God I had a business partner to take care of the logistics because I'm i an inventor. I'm a creative. I'm a communicator. I am not a detail person. For me to get my taxes done, I have to lock myself in my house, turn off all <laughs> my electronics and not let myself leave until they're done. It's like I have go. to ground myself.
0: There you go. Awesome. So, I mean, obviously, you, you found a niche with the, the, the kind of clothing because- um, what it went for? Eighteen how many years. years. Eighteen, 18 years, years, which is but, a really good run.
2: So let me say something that I that I did learn though. So if you're going to go into a business where you're going to sell something, okay, there are three there are three prongs to making a successful business like on home shopping: compelling mm-hmm. pricing, compelling product, and compelling presentation. So when I now work with companies, I say, okay, do you have a compelling product? Do you have a product that's different than something else that somebody else can go buy? Right. Now, if it's if it's not so different, is your pricing so competitive that it makes you the one that they want to get? Right. And then do you have a presentation that describes what you do or packaging that describes what you do in such a way that makes you the one that people have to go to?
0: Right, right. So think about it as an actor,
2: right? Do you have a compelling price, right? Well, that's different. Um, A compelling product, are you compelling enough? And a compelling presentation, are you good enough at your auditions? Is your headshot good enough? Is your website good enough that people want to hire you? This works for any industry.
0: Right, right, which is absolutely true. I mean, if you don't know who you are and what you're selling and who you are selling it to, you're pretty much dead in the water. Especially
1: now. Combined with everything, and and several times you said it's timing, being in the right place at the right time. But there's something else, you're very charismatic, you're very energetic. You you bring the spark into the room. Did you always travel with this spark, or did you have a realization that brought you into because you're highly motivated? Thank you. This is just not this isn't just just the, the right energy. You're you're a highly motivated person. You have you, you have all the elements. You could probably sell, you know, sand to people that live in the desert. So
2: <laughs> I would want to sell a, them. I would want to sell point? them cold, wet sand. By the way,
1: you that go. would be well, comfortable. Then, See, so already you thought that you have right. already up-sailed it. <laughs> so was there a turning point? It because yeah. you know going from performer to being. People don't always put that into their performance. They don't always put that connection that the business end of it is lying underneath. Sometimes. Did you, did you have a turning point? Did you have a wake up moment?
2: I've always, um, I think I've, I'm, I believe that life, is, um, a journey and it goes by really fast. And I've always wanted to squeeze every drop out of it. Right. That's but that's just who I am as a human. Like, I believe that there's not my, 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 my word for 2022 is more please. You know, there's always, I always have a, I always have an intention for the year and my intention for this year is more please. Oh, so I got to tell you a story about what happened two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was working, two weeks ago, I was working in Orlando. I was speaking at the Advertising Specialties Institute show, which is promotional products, right? Tchotchkes, but oh, I can't say that. Oh, they get really mad when you call it that. But That's okay. They don't like to be called tchotchkes, but you know what? It's just like really cool stuff. But I finished speaking. It's
1: really good swag. It's really
2: good swag. swag it's fun swag so the next day i was going to get on a plane on wednesday so i spoke on tuesday had dinner with the client on tuesday night had a great time wednesday a friend of mine lives in orlando and he came and he picked me up and we were on our way to brunch and he was going to take me to the airport so i said we were driving down the street to go to brunch and i see this giant um it's called a um Oh my God. It's a slingshot ride. It's brand new. It's a place. Oh Oh my God, Bob, you would love this. Right? So it's one of those, (laughs) it's the tallest slingshot ride in the world and it had just opened. And I look at, at my friend Don and I said, Hey, what is that? And he said, I don't know. He said, but I don't have any friends who would go on that with me. I'm like, oh, I would go. So we literally turn the car around, go find a parking spot, go. There's no line. We go to the ticket booth. It's $30 a ticket. I buy me and Donna ticket because I want to have this experience. We go, we're waiting in line and it's two people in front of us and then us. And I look, and it is the tallest slingshot ride in North America. It throws you up 450 feet in the air on Holy bungee man. cords. And then when you get to the top, you spin over, you know, like you rotate over and over and over, and then you go down to the bottom and then it pulls you up. You bounce up like three or four times and then they let you down. But wait, it gets better. We get down and I, I get down and I'm like, again, 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 like I'm sick, right? <laughs> and I, and I walk off and I see a news crew. Now, if there's a camera, I'm going to find it or it's going to find me. I walk over to this news lady who's wearing a full on suit. And I say, what story are you doing? And she says, oh, we're doing a story on this brand new ride that just opened the slingshot. I'm like, oh my God, it's so cool. It's the best high you can get for, it's the best natural high you can get for 30 bucks. And she says, will you say that on camera? Of course (laughs) I will. So I end up on the Orlando nightly news saying (laughs) that this is the best high and gets better. And then I said, you know what? I really want to do it again. And the producer says, first of all, he says to me, you know, you're good on camera. And I looked at him and I said really? I only spent 18 years on the home shopping network. I'm like, really? And he he says, I said, I want to do it again. And he says, I can get you on. He brings me and Don to the front of the line. We get to ride the ride again. And not only that, as we're going out, there's one of those rides that takes you the the thingy that has the seats all the way around and you go, it pulls you to the top and then you drop free fall drop for 100 feet. And we're walking by and I look at the two kids who are working there and I'm like, this one looks like fun. And they said, we just saw you on the news and i said well i'm gonna be on the news and i said can i try this ride and one of the kids goes sure why not opens the exit door puts me and don in (laughs) so so instead of like going on this ride one time missing the opportunity i get to go on the slingshot twice and the hundred foot free fall once so tom to answer your question if i see an opportunity heck yeah
0: seize the moment that's that's your motto yeah
2: Yes. That's
0: that is fantastic.
2: rhythm. Little...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's uh you, you finished you you did your uh, the home shopping network for for 18 years and you said you started getting public speaking gigs. What, is, uh, what what's the process for you there?
2: The process. I mean, do you,
0: you become do you become your own are you like the? You have to do all the marketing and all that stuff because that's a lot of work, and yet you embrace every aspect of it. So can I you talk don't. A bit about I that?
2: hate the details of the work, like the maintaining a database and putting right. contacts in it and following up. I'm terrible at that. I will be honest. I'm terrible at that. So I've had several assistants over the years who, I guess, I'm so inspirational. They go off to start their own businesses, which is very <laughs> bad. It's very bad. It's it's. <laughs> but but no, I'm. Te- I, I think I have to say it again. I think I'm the luckiest person in the world because my marketing is horrible. My, my outreach is terrible, but once people hire me, they want to hire me again. So I've got two, I do a lot of, um, I, I pivoted Bob, the, the the word pivot, such, so fun. Now I pivoted during the pandemic where I started doing MC work, you know, it's MC commentating fashion shows is MC work. So I've done it for years and years and years. But it just so happens that there's an AV company here in Denver. I'm based in Denver, if we didn't get to say that. And there's an AV company here who I've wanted to work with for years. They've wanted to work with me for years, and we just didn't have an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. There was a conference that had gone, had to go in spring of 2020 to go virtual, And for some reason, the meeting planner thought of me and interviewed me and a couple other people. And on the interview, I guess they loved me, the meeting planner and the association. And then the AV company happens to be this AV company that's known me for years, knows me, likes me, trusts me. And it all came together where I started, where I emceed a virtual conference for them, which by the way, is way more work than keynoting. It's like six months of going through the run of show, you know this, Rob, the run of show and the scripting and the meetings and the meeting, the, the keynote speakers and getting the introductions right and being on camera and being on site. But now those conferences that I got to MC for virtually over the past two years, I'm now doing them on site this year. So wow. I have this whole, like, I would say that my intention is that 50% of my business this year is MCing because it handles my um, OCD, my over-controlling disorder, and I get to <laughs> control everything and, and be on stage. It's wicked wow. fun.
0: Wow! wow. See, so you're, you're you're having fun no matter what you do. Um, right. In your bio, it mentions that you're a Vistage. Uh, is that how you pronounce it? Vistage. 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 is The word. Yes. Uh, I try. I tried to make it fancy. You um What, what
2: exactly? What exactly is a, vi- a Vistage speaker? So Vistage is the world's largest CEO support organization they run mastermind groups for CEOs all over the world. And in wow. 2008, right before the world collapsed, right in 2008, I ended up, um, I was at a national speakers association winter meeting and Vistage happened to be again, right place, right time happened to be one of the sponsors that one year of the national speakers association. And, I went and somebody said, you know, you should go and see if you want to speak for Vistage. And I said, no, I speak for women's groups because it was 2008. I'd only be speaking for women and, and in the fashion realm. And they said, no, 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 you should go. So again, here I go the last, I go to the last audition of the day. I walk in, they say, we need two minutes of your best material. I'm like, I haven't planned anything. They're like, well, give us two minutes of business development stuff. I make up stuff for two minutes. If you put a gun to my head right now and said, what did you say? I have no idea. They record the two (laughs) minutes. I fill out some form. They record the two minutes. I forget about it. And by the way, I had put on my makeup at eight o'clock in the morning. It was now five o'clock in the afternoon. I had been with people all day. I didn't even know what I looked like. I didn't care. About two months later, I get a phone call from Vistage Corporate saying, Carolyn, we'd like to offer you your pro bono free Vistage talk, but we um, can't find your support documents. I'm like, that's because I haven't given you any support documents. What are you talking about? They're like, (laughs) we loved your two minutes. Can you turn that into a three hour program? I'm thinking, wow. sure, why not? So I turn into a three-hour program. I have a meeting with one of the visage chairs, one of the guys who runs one of the groups here in Denver. He was in, his name's Bob Carruthers. He was incredibly generous. He spent two Different hour long meetings with me at the Starbucks in Cherry Creek went through the material, said, Here's what my group would like to know. Here's what you can share with them. You know, because at the time I was running my home shopping business and I had been a fashion show commentator and I'd been speaking to women's groups and I'd studied the differences between men and women. So I had done all of the stuff. He's like, Put that together into three hours. I went and I spoke for his group and he wrote me a review after saying, book this woman now for your group, because she's going to be too busy and too expensive if you wait. Wow. And all wow. of a sudden I started getting all these bookings. So again, I got lucky.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, I think luck, you know, the reality is if you peel back the layers, the, the luck comes from the fact that you're prepared right. you're
1: and ready that you have
0: and you have it. that you have that energy. And, and right. it's like I get the sense that you go. Oh well, there's a mountain. Let's go climb it. You know, that kind of an attitude with everything that comes your way which is phenomenal and the fact that you share that message because if you had to compress everything that you're doing down to like a central theme or a message or what Tom and I refer to as the uh the uh, elevator pitch I bet you could do it in a heartbeat because you're so focused on everything that no matter what it is you can you can tackle it which so I think it- is
2: yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, okay. So I have a couple of, of um, you know, of sayings that first of all, my affirmation, and I don't know if you believe in woo affirmations, but I have one sure. and it's, it is, I always have more than enough time, energy, and money to have, do, and be anything I want.
0: I think that's phenomenal.
2: I taught that to Sam, you know, Sam, my friend, Sam, Bob, you know, I've been with him forever. He's like my my best friend. Anyway, I taught that to his kids when they were four and eight. They're 21 and 25 now, and they can repeat that back to me.
0: Oh, that's
2: amazing. I always have more than enough time, energy, and money to have, do, and be anything I want. And the other one is the space that you want in your life is already being filled with what you're willing to settle for. Huh.
0: That's really wonderful.
2: And then, um, you know, my dad always said, you remember my dad, my dad always sure. said, you know, yeah, threw them all but six. <laughs> he always said, come all but six, because you only takes six to plant you. So keep your close six near you and everybody else. If they don't like you, not your problem.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. What is the what is the, uh, the is it T.H.E. program? And what is that? Is that uh, I, did I see that? Uh, um, oh, the, so the. the the blended meetings.
2: Um, okay. Can you oh talk my about gosh. That? Okay. So during the pandemic, I partnered. I was look. Look, I was looking for something to do. So, three years ago, I started a podcast. Actually, I did not start a podcast. That is a total fallacy. I did not start it. (laughs) My two partners had been doing a podcast for about five years. So um, Tim Slagle and Dale Irvin, who are my partners on the podcast, who are brilliant, by the way, the podcast is Another Day Above Ground. And um, they but they had been doing a different one. I don't even remember the name of it. Um, And about right before the pandemic, they, the woman that they had been working with, they, it just, you know, wasn't working anymore. And Dale and I've, he, by the way, is the professional summarizer. He's Mensa smart. He is the, one of the smartest, funniest humans I've ever been with. He can go to a conference, watch all the keynotes and summarize it funny, better than wow. any of the nighttime talk shows with their whole staffs. He does it himself. He's ge- he's a genius, right? It's like wow. what I said at the beginning, playing with people who are better than you. So about three years ago, Dale says to me, hey, you know, we're going to, Re up our podcast. We're going to rebrand it. Do you want to come and do a couple with us? I think you'd be a really good balance for us because it's the podcast for, by, and about baby boomers. It's the podcast for people who can't download a podcast. And I am (laughs) the youngest of the baby boomers. I am the very youngest of the baby boomers, right? And so, given that I am, and I am a little bit more, I would say, liberally leaning than my partners who are both conservative leaning. We don't talk politics. we try not to talk politics, but you know, I got that going on. So I did a couple of it, couple of them with them and all of a sudden it worked. And we changed the name to another day above ground because my grandmother used to say that all the time. And that's what we're for baby boomers. And this is another day above ground. So we started doing this. We do the show once a week and thank God, during the pandemic, we record every Monday afternoon. It gave me something every Monday that I had to actually get dressed for, even though it's audio, like I had to get dressed and I had to be smart and I had to pay attention to what was happening in the world. And I had to be, I had to be present. And it was the, the one thing. And then you talk about brilliant Brilliant one hundred during the the pandemic as well, I have a friend named Joe Cursillo who 's a former lawyer and a former judge and he 's a professional speaker and he 's a mentalist. Oh my God, you guys should have him on he is so funny and really smart his name is Joe Crusillo. I'll connect you guys yeah absolutely oh my god you'll love him and he's a mentalist he does shows at like the casinos in Atlantic City and Vegas and all this stuff anyway he and I were talking about how all of these meetings now you know we had gone I'd gone from speaking at meetings in person to creating a whole studio in my other room of my house and having to do meetings virtual from my house and how do I do that given that I'm so externally motivated but he said let's create a program a hundred minutes to brilliant blended meetings it'll be you and me and we'll do like eight or nine episodes each one about 10 minutes long to teach people how to use their camera how to set up for zoom how to look at the camera and how to run meetings
1: what's the definition of a blended meeting i
2: haven't never heard that term we called it blended because it was when some people were in the office and some people were at home so really the hybrid meeting. okay Because that's where it was at that point, because a lot of the companies that I work with, look, if you work in the construction industry, you cannot zoom that in. No, so no. you're going to have people on site. you still have to have people, some of them in the office so how do you run, how do you run blended meetings? So Joe and I did that and then at the beginning of twenty twenty one and by the way, we sold that I think we sold ten of them. It was very exciting and then um, and then we started giving it away for free and by the way if you peop- if anybody listening to this wants a free a hundred minute training, go to brilliant one hundred brilliant the number one hundred And when you go to check out, it's $297. When you go to check out, put in the promo code CSPROMO. It'll take it down to zero. It's absolutely free for you guys.
0: Wow. And that's www.brilliant100. And 100 is the actual uh, number, 100.com. And the discount code again? What's the discount code
1: again? CS.
0: I know what CS stands for.
2: There you go. Mm -hmm. CSPROMO. Yeah, Joe has a I may be old,
1: but I still got a little bit of going no, up there. You know? mentioned something really interesting because on your podcast you said you're the youngest one, you're the more liberal one. We're in a really weird time right now, and what Bob and I notice, and and my other friends are noticing. I just had a long talk this morning with somebody in the theater world. There's a weird and different generation gap. And the generations are defined now. There used to be a gap. Now generations have their own turf, Gen, right? Gen X is way different than Gen Z, and and millennials, well, you're different than millennial. And and I don't even know what the latest generation is anymore. How are you bridging that with these plans? And it, because it's not, they have a different mentality of how they approach problem solving, and yet you have this great energy, these great programs proven programs how are you bridging the gap when you come up against multi-generation
2: my internal voice says really but my external <laughs> voice <laughs> seriously it does but then my I realize that there are certain things that are consistent across, all human beings, right? People want to be, they want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be appreciated. So there's, there's the languages of appreciation. The five love languages I think are super important. I think the languages of appreciation at work are super important. So one of the things that I do to keep doing what I like is I have to be one step ahead of my clients, right? So I just got certified in Patrick Lencioni's working genius assessment. He's got an assessment. It's not a personality profile so much. It's about 20% personality and 80% productivity. And it shows you where you lean in terms of getting work done. And where your working geniuses are. And I have found that that, to answer your question, Tom, that is where all generations find that if they figure out what their working geniuses and where they fit into a company and where they can bring the most value, they're staying. So, okay, so you were able
0: it, to yeah, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead,
1: go ahead. Well, how do, how do, you, how say, do you market yeah. that? If you know, that's
2: a tough one to market, though.
1: How do yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. How do you market your own internal genius? That's
2: a great term. So it's actually your working genius. Um, if you guys want to take the assessment after we're done here, I would love to see what your. I know what yours are, Bob, already, but I'd love to see what that, what it says that yours are. But I mean, because I'm, okay, so there are six geniuses, right? There's the genius of wonder, the genius of innovation, the genius of discernment, the genius of galvanizing, the genius of enabling people, and the genius of tenacity, okay? So we all have, two of those are going to be our geniuses that were that. And if they're your geniuses, meaning that you can do them all day and they bring you energy, they're exciting for you. Your competencies are two that you're really good at, but they don't bring you joy or energy, but you can do them. But if you end up doing them all day, every day, it will burn you out. And then there are two that are your frustrations, meaning that when you have to do them, like for me, tenacity is one of my frustrations, meaning sitting down, getting my taxes done. I want it like, I want to make it stop. We have to do it. And every job is a six letter job, but it's so interesting to figure out what your geniuses are. And then how can I apply them to the work that I'm doing? Just so you guys know, Tom, to, 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 to answer your question, how do you get people like mine are invention and galvanizing. So I come up with new ideas and then I get people excited about them. I'm doing exactly what I should be doing for a living. I mean, because I can do this every day, all day and be happy. And I think that's one of the keys to doing what you like or doing what you love is figuring out what you're great at and what you love to do and focusing most of your time and energy. You can't focus all your time and energy because we all have to do stuff, but focusing most of your time on energy of what you love. Bob, I know that this is what you love. I know that the editing and the working and the, the acting and the performing, you have been this way since you know, since I've known you for many, many decades, my friend.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's funny. You mentioned that because it's just, for me, it was like, well, I, I, it, you know, I love to do it, so I'm going to do it, and whatever comes my way, and you know, I'm going to do it. And sometimes I find myself going off, straying off once in a while, and then coming back. But eventually, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I get to do what I love to do instead of going to a nine to five, being in a cubicle, and doing the same thing and being in the same place all the time. I've been um, saying it- I've
2: never gotten paid on a. I've gotten paid on a W two probably five times in my entire life. And one of them, Oh, one of them was from that sad commercial that I did right with John Elway three years ago. And when the pandemic came and it came time to get unemployment, unemployment, I couldn't get it because I got paid like a couple hundred dollars for being on one commercial. It was, was a nightmare. Ago. It was a nightmare. Right. Anyway. Well, yeah.
0: and when I, when I talked to, when I was teaching up at the uh, SAG conservatory uh, at AFI, I would tell my students, look, the last time I had a day job or a job outside of the industry was in 1984. <laughs> and they look at me like I'm crazy. And I go, I'm sorry, but that just, it happened that way. And if I had to go get a regular job, I don't know what I would do. I'm sure I could. The, the thing that's great about you is your energy. You know, you talk about you're a terrible marketer. Guess what? You are the Ooh, marketing and tool. Because who you are is what they are, they love. And then when you go in and you do the job for them better than they expected, they go, well, we were right. We'll hire her again. So, I mean, even though you might not think you're a good marketing person, you, your essence is your marketing tool. And that's your primary marketing tool. And I think that's phenomenal. Well, um, I gotta,
1: that, though You still sat down. Is it five books or six books?
0: You know, Tom, you read my mind. That's exactly what I'd like to find out is you've written five books. Tell us about the five books.
2: None of them apply to anything in my life, by the way. It's very funny, right? I just write them because I got bored and I had to do something. Um, so, okay. The first one I wrote was specialty modeling with Tori Hartman. It was a partnership. And right. my second book, I did, a, um, I did one of those compilation books when I was a starting out speaker in the early 2000s. It's called A Healthier You with Deepak Chopra and Billy Blanks. That's how long ago that was. <laughs> And it's called A Healthier You. So I've got a chapter in there. And then I wrote a book um, for children, a little girls book that I know that there are little girls in your life, Bob, who I get pictures of them reading my book. It's called EG. They talk and talk. And I've gotten pictures from your girls saying that it's their favorite book. So Joy has sent me those pictures. So what's, thank you what's for that, that one? What's that one about? It's, it's called They Talk and Talk. It's about a little girl who's walking through her life and everybody around her is making judgments about her. And everybody's oh. saying she's too tall. She's too short. She's too fat. She's too thin. She's too dark. She's too light. She's too smart. She's too dumb. And she comes home at the end. The last page of the book is she, and it's written in rhyme. And the, I channeled Dr. Seuss for that book. And the last oh. page she comes home. And at the end of the book, she turns around. She looks in the mirror. And her last line is, I'm so glad I'm me. And it's, it's, and it's, it's my grandmother, my grandmother taught me when I was a kid, which is, it's none of my business what you think of me. And that's what the book is about. So there's that book. And then I wrote a book called The Code, A Man's Rules for Living Life, Having Fun and Getting Dressed. And I wrote that with my friend Jack Dale. And then there's another one somewhere I can't even remember. So, yeah, none of the, I really should write a business book, but you know what? I start them and it's not fun anymore because I can't do the actual but work. But the, the
1: most recent is on virtual events. I'm sorry,
2: sweetie. The most recent book, though, is a title on v- virtual events? No. Oh, my gosh. No. That was actually, we did um, with Joe when I did Brilliant 100. We then, at the beginning of 2021, given that we were still locked down and who knew that was going to happen, right. um, who knew that this was going to still be going on in 2022, you guys? When I bought Christmas theme masks in 2020, I was sure that I'd be able to like donate them in the middle of 2021 and never have to wear them again. I them all season but anyway we did we did the corporate context meetings um no the corporate we called it the corporate context minute and how to write how to do meetings in like two minute block kind of things and joe and i did that so, so that should be a book i uh, don't know
1: because right now we're all we're all we're all pretty close to being zoom experts yeah but, but what is the key what is the
2: most important thing to a successful virtual meeting Find out how the people in your organization want to be met with. Do they like, so if they're one-on-one people, then you want to have one-on-one meeting with them. If the team needs to meet, do not have one-hour meetings for the sake of having a one-hour meeting. That is stupid. And now that I know Working Genius, is is it an idea meeting? Is it a getting people on the right page meeting or is it a process meeting? What kind of meeting are you having and who needs to be accountable for running things in that meeting? Right. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's these people who have, I don't understand companies who have meetings every Monday morning for two hours to what end, right? Yeah. Don't ever go to a meeting that doesn't have an agenda.
0: Well, I don't know if you know this, but they did a, uh, they did a uh, study And they found out that most people's attention span is a half hour.
2: Half hour, yep. Yeah. Unless unless they're watching Netflix, then right. it's ten or eleven hours with a yeah. bathroom break in the middle. What yeah. is that like? I can't do other stuff, but I can like binge watch a show for you know yeah. thirty hours. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's if you're truly invested in it, you're you're going to spend the entire day. Whereas if it's just about someone, uh, you know, uh, imparting knowledge to you or whatever, Ugh. if it's it's only a half hour is about as good. If it's a an, an educational thing or a training thing, half hour is pretty much the maximum. Because it's
2: it's also got to be interactive because you got to remember that people are processing what you're saying through their lens right through what so how through how their brain is working so for those of you guys who um just checked out from this podcast for the past couple minutes hi welcome back
1: (laughs) (laughs) i like that so on top of everything else do you do you ever run into covid fatigue now because that's the latest and it, it, it's hitting everybody. I personally find living virtually is more exhausting than living live than being out in the real. So uh, any thoughts or any theories on how to handle COVID fatigue?
2: Yeah, I actually went to the gym this morning and doing a spin class in a mask stinks. I was going to say something horrible. else. It's horrible, yeah. but I have to do it because I bought I bought, you know, one of the the you know yes i bought the bike and it's in the other room so half of that room oh, yeah. is is the exercise room and half of it is the studio it takes so much energy for me to sit and do it by myself On a screen. I can't stand it. So I will, I'm still going to the class. I'm taking care of myself. I'm wearing the mask, but I have to be in the energy of other people. I have made it a point to be with my friends. And during when we were really locked down, I'd have individual friends and we would meet outside. I'd bring, you know, styrofoam cups, sorry for the styrofoam environment, but i bring like styrofoam cups and we'd go and we'd do a walk together because I need to be with people. Tom, I'm still the same way. Now I've done four on-site events um, already in 2022 and I'm going to Dallas to speak at the end of this month and I'm going to... I don't know Chicago at the end of next month to speak, and I'm I'm still going. I'm doing the best I can to take care of myself, protect myself, and other people. But I'm showing up because I've I've I lose my mind doing Zoom all day. I hate it. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. I I miss the I miss the the physical, and I don't mean actual touching, but the interaction with people. You know, uh, as oh, much as I touching. enjoy. Come on, yeah, Bob. I, I miss I, the touching. Well, Come on, dude. There, there is Let's that. Be yeah. Real. Yeah. Yeah, but but I think it's also the idea that I'm seeing somebody from head to toe, as opposed to this, you know, I laugh because it's like, I've gotten comfortable with zoom, but I don't like it. I wanna event, be in the same room. I want to have that right. conversation without having to look at my camera or whatever and, or my and, own
2: damn face. I am oh, yeah. so sick of yeah, my face. Yeah. Right. I, I am just sick of it. And now yeah. I bet after all this time, you guys are sick of my face too. No, um no. I do no. have to say the first, the first program that I emceed in person was back in September and it was for a giant municipal conference. And I walked on sea, and I had emceed for them a year earlier in a little box. Right. And I'm like, you guys might recognize me from here to here, but look, this is what the whole thing looks like. And it's <laughs> so exciting to see you guys wearing pants. And, and they all laugh because you know, that joke doesn't work now, but no. it worked back in September of 2021. Sure. Cause it was the first yeah. time we were all together in the same room and it was great. Yeah. By the way, Bob, I I have to tell you something and I know we're, we're running out of time, but um, well, we're
0: fine. Keep going,
2: <laughs> but do what you like. So, you know, Bob, that I've always, you know, loved the acting thing. I sure. actually got to be in a movie this past year, Bob. I don't know if I got to tell you that, honey, I got to star in a film. I got to star uh, a- I, I I think I saw you posted it on yeah.
0: Facebook. Yeah. I saw that and I go, wow, that's fantastic because I know that it's always been right here. Yes. It's always what I wanted to do for as long as I've known you. And I'm sure even before that, you know, uh, when, when, I mean, nobody goes to, no one goes to Emerson, you know, to to get a psychology degree or anything like that. <laughs> you go to Emerson because that's you know where everybody goes. And then they come out to the West Coast and they go, All right, you graduated Emerson, get me in on this and get me in on that. I actually saw the inner workings of Emerson's alumni program out here, and it's amazing. And you know, in LA, they've got an Emerson a satellite campus now.
2: Yeah. They do, I know that. I'm I mean, so but they're a lot
0: They're alu- alumni. Uh, organization is so powerful that if you went there, you called all these other people because they actually promote it at at emerson, yeah. and it 's pretty phenomenal um which brings me i mean you mentioned something about your grandmother and something that she told you. Would you say i mean are there is there anyone other than your grandmother that inspired you or mentored you and instilled in you that energy because I mean, obviously, we all get it on our own, but it starts someplace. Is there anybody that you can point out that actually gave you that that nugget of inspiration?
2: What I always say is, if you like me, you would have loved my dad, right? Because I knew knew
0: you were going to say that. You knew
2: that because, you know, my dad, you met my dad. I mean, you know, I adored my dad. My dad was, you know, was my heart and losing him nine years ago was really hard. Right. Um, Right. And by the way. That is so interesting because do you know, so I lost my dad in November of 2012. I can't remember. Everybody deals with grief differently. I have a year and a half of my life that I don't remember. And in fact, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that I worked in Pennsylvania because back in 2016, I went to Pennsylvania to work and I walked into this hotel and I'm like, huh, this looks familiar. And the woman behind the desk said, welcome back, Miss Strauss. And I said, when were you, when was I here? And she said, you were here in March of 2013. Okay. I didn't know wow. who the client was. I don't know what I did. I don't, I know that I worked. I know I was there, but my brain, so everybody's brain does, does grief right. differently, but back to who inspires me. I'm also the oldest, right? I'm the oldest of two older children. So my parents were both the oldest. Now my mom, Bob, you know, my mom, my mom is yeah. shy. My mother would not yeah. get on a microphone for a million dollars. You could not get my mother to talk in front of people for anything, but being the oldest, I had aunts and uncles and people would come over and like, okay, what's she going to do next? So I'm in the playpen, and they're going, what's she going to do? What's she going to say? How's she going to be? So I think part of, How we develop is, is how we're treated as kids. And I got very blessed and I'm very loved. And I always was, I had a really happy childhood. I know it's politically incorrect to say that, but I had a really happy childhood and, and people were always expecting me to do something interesting. My biggest fear in life is to be border boring. That is my biggest fear. My fear is to be border boring, which is when the pandemic hit, I freaked out for the first three months. And I also baked more brownies and gained like eight pounds (laughs) in the first three months because all I could do was eat brownies, eat chocolate to make myself feel better. Wow. Awful because the the gyms are closed.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's also fascinating because you, I have to say, and I know I've met your sister, but I don't know her nearly as well. But I have to say, you got your dad's genes. Your sister got your mom's genes. A hundred
2: percent, a hundred. My sister, my sister's very happy in her house with her few friends, you know, her few really good friends. Right. And this, this pandemic did not freak her out because she's perfectly happy being home alone. I thought I was going to lose my mind last May. Again, thank God for my podcast and thank God for my friends who would come and go for a walk with me.
0: Right. Right. I know Tom, for example, he and I have had a lot of conversations, his, his, uh, family, his mom and dad, truly, the combination of both of them is what he is today. And he and he honors them and and praises them for having given him those traits. So I mean, it's great to pay it forward. And, And so when you go out, You're always thinking about, you know, my dad and what he did and all this stuff. And that probably keeps you going. Um, Is there anything because we are drawing to near the end here. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share with with our audience? Uh, A a, uh, anything, uh, a nugget, whatever.
2: Sure. Let me think for one second. Okay, Um, it's yes until it's no. That's how you get to have a life that you like or you love. It's yes until it's no. There are only three things you can do in life that that you can't take back. One is bringing a human onto the world. One is taking a human out of the world, or one is or the other is um, saying something so horrible that you can't take it back. Other right. than that, just say yes until you get to the point where it's not fun anymore, and then say no.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. great. So let's go through the list of of uh, websites that. Uh,
1: so
2: they can, we, yeah, uh, people
0: that want to know more. And this is yeah. definitely a person I want to know more about.
2: Aww. So the pot, the pot. Yeah. The podcast, okay. uh, another You can go there and listen, or you can go to any place you get your podcasts and go to another, look up another day above ground. It's really cool. It's a tie dye, um, 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 headstone for a funeral. Yeah. I, okay. I went
0: there. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: So that's our logo. That's and then for the podcast. Yep. That's for the podcast. The the gift I want to give you guys is brilliant 100.com and go there. And if you want to sign up, um, use the promo code at checkout CS promo, and you can have that for absolute free. It's a hundred minutes and it's probably stuff you already know, but if you're new to a company or you're working in a company and they're not doing meetings, well, go there. And then anything you want to know about me, Carolyn Strauss, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-S-T-R-A-U-S-S dot com is everything you want to know about me. Beautiful.
0: And and you have been extremely fascinating as always today. And we appreciate the, the fact that you were willing to come on and join the, the party and play for a while. So yeah,
1: thank you so much uh, for doing it. So yeah, much thank, you thank
0: you so, so much, much Carolyn. And, uh, you, you know, energy. go out there and do what you
1: like.
2: Yes, everybody go do what you like and do it with people that make you better.
1: There you go. Ah, there you go. That's a Thank last words to live by. Thank you yeah. so much.